joking around about you this week well i did it a little bit on twitter but then i was talking with irl friends because i was like i'm so excited excited one of my friends is having an affair because everyone else just tells me how miserable they are having kids <laughs> i saw that so, <laughs> i was like it's nice to have one friend who's like doing something like spicy uh, you know? talking about serial monogamy like the last thing i need right now is an affair like some other person <laughs> whose emotional needs i need to attend to yeah um uh, do we wait <laughs> but, uh, speaking of did we already dish about cassandra's anti-vax hottie oh my god no well we should we should maybe let's do a quick intro we have cassandra back she's a friend <laughs> of the pod uh <laughs> you guys know her she's been on um here comes the backlash and she's in our little corner of Twitter um, and on world. Um, so she's back. She's here. And yeah, what is, so you have, you found an anti-vax hottie today? I wouldn't call it that. And I wasn't planning on talking about it. <laughs> this was a private conversation. No, um, I, I was saying I was late to the pod because you were supposed to do the pod 15 minutes ago and I was late and I'm sorry. But it's because I was like out in public and I was editing my poems actually at um, there's like a local cafe that's like a cafe bar type thing. So it's kind of like a fun spot that people go to like drink, but also work and like whatever. So I, I was just there sitting outside at the table editing my poems. And this guy came and he asked if I could like wash his dog while he went inside. So I watched his dog. The dog was very cute. I was like loving watching the dog. Classic. And then he This dude out. has game. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he came out and I forget how it came up, but he started talking about like Elon Musk buying Twitter, like out of nowhere. Like I wasn't even talking about Twitter. And he was saying, like, oh yeah, like I like Twitter better now that that Elon Musk has bought it. He was like a normie anti-vax. Like, you know what I mean? Like not like terminally online like us. Like he said that he like has Twitter, but like only but anyway, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I agree. And I, I was like, oh, I have Twitter. Like, I, I think it's better. And I, I think what I said was like, I was like, what I like about Elon's Twitter is that I can now spell the word vaccine without getting banned because I used to have to spell <laughs> vaccine with like V, like <laughs> at symbol. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was, I had to like spell it wrong because I was like, oh, I don't want to get banned from Twitter. So I, I jokingly said that. And then he was like, oh, are you vaccinated? Which I guess is a fair question to ask because uh, I like brought it up, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. So then I said Tucker I vaccinated. Then he was like, I'm not vaccinated either. We should have babies. And I was like, well, that was a bit of an escalation. <laughs> oh, wow. <Yeah. laughs> okay, maybe, maybe he is more on our corner of Twitter because that's a thing. Yeah. Looking for anti-vax sperm. Yeah, no, he was like kind of saying it like that, but like sort of half as a joke. But anyway, like uh-huh. I... I was just like excited to meet a fellow anti-vaxxer. So we had some anti-vax chat. Um, but then, yeah. That's- but so how did he react? The real question is, how did he react when he found out you were a podcast, bro? <laughs> I did say I had to go because I was going on a podcast. <laughs> I was like, sorry, I'm going to this podcast. And then he was like, oh. And then he was like, he, he thought it was cool. But he was like, oh, I don't really listen to podcasts, but that's cool. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, 
I, I, I don't it sounds think like a 10. Husband. Like for the record, like I think it was just like a nice anti-vax moment. But um, yeah. It's nice to run into people who feel the same way. I'm actually, I actually am going through something today where a coworker kid has COVID and this is the first time anyone in the family has got it. And she's my last coworker wearing a mask. Oh, no. And she was telling her son's five and she was telling me how she's quarantined him in his room with an iPad uh, to avoid herself oh getting COVID. I think that and that's really that messed up when it's like, it's your kid. Like your job is to take care of your kid. And instead you're like sacrificing your kid at the altar of like your own paranoia. That's I know, and I, I didn't I didn't know what to say because I, I first I made a joke. I was like, "Well, you're probably going to get it now, finally, because you're obviously going to hug your kid." And she was like, "I'll hug him with a mask." And that I was mask like, "Mask isn't going to stop." <laughs> <laughs> That's like child abuse. I mean, the kid must be so scared, especially if the mom like believes it's this like horrible virus or whatever. I know it was a weird, awkward moment because I was at work and I was like, I can't really do this right now. I can't really have this like battle um, right now. So, but I have been taking off my lib face with friends. So that's been good. <laughs> no, it's difficult to work. Exciting. Like, I, I think I was, I'm not sure if I was saying this when I was on Pool House's pod. We were talking about like how work in general, you can't really talk about anything. So you're like, everything just has to be super superficial small talk these days because when you're with libs, like so often, they will bring up political stuff as small talk because they assume that everyone agrees with them. They assume that if you're not like abundantly a chud and you don't have like a gun on the Zoom call, then like you must be a lib. (laughs) And so like (laughs) all my lib coworkers will kind of just casually bring up stuff about like COVID or the vaccine or whatever, like on the day that it like became like allowed by the, FDA or whatever it was for like babies to get the vax. Like, do you remember that? Like last spring or whatever, where it was like eight month olds can get the vax. <laughs> Multiple members of my team at work were like, oh my God, I like, I, I have to leave work early today because I'm so excited. Like, you know, little Julie or whatever, like I'm, that's a fake name, but whatever is like getting her first COVID shot. And I'm like, oh my God, thank God this is on Zoom because I don't have a good poker face. And if it was in real life, I think they would notice that I was like, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. I had a I had a guy come in a couple months ago, and he's like, "We're all heading to the anti-abortion protest, right? Like, like right after work." And I was like, mm, "I'm not." Uh, and I kind of said to him, "I was like, not that I am have any anti-abortion sentiments, but it's a little weird to burst in a room full of people and ask." people to go to an anti-abortion protest <laughs> at your job. Your assumption that everyone like subscribes to the same like secular religion. I know. It was a, it was a bold assumption. I thought I was like, you don't know everyone's beliefs in here. Right. Anyway. Yeah. My, um, when I started my current job, I was living in the UK still. And then I moved to Florida like soon after, like maybe about like a month into the job. And I was like messaging with one of my coworkers saying that I was moving to Florida. And he was like, oh, good luck. Everyone there is a gun-toting Republican who refuses to wear a mask. And I wanted to be like, You're yeah, like- bro, that's like why I'm there. But instead I was like, haha, and just like changed the subject. <laughs> if it ever, if it ever happens again, I'm definitely, I'm definitely gonna move to the South. 
if they ever try to re-lock down. So the next I up. couldn't I couldn't I couldn't do another New York level lockdown. I don't think A could do another Chicago level lockdown. I couldn't do another UK one. I was in lockdown for like a year. It was crazy. Wow. Was it that was it as bad in the in in the UK? So it was like worse in some ways and better in others. We were in lockdown for longer and we had COVID restrictions for longer than in the US um, in terms of like not being able to leave your house or like see people. Like that went on for way longer in the UK than it did in the US. Like for a long time, even in 2021, we couldn't go to like bars or restaurants or shops. Like the only thing that was open was like essential businesses, like grocery stores and stuff. Um, And that finally started like phasing into opening up, I want to say in like April 2021. But it it wasn't until like the end of July 2021 that everything was like open properly. But what I will say is there was never the same vaccine mandates in the UK that we had in the US. So in the UK, like the only vaccine mandates that they had were like kind of in the fall of 2021 and early 2022. But it was usually just at large venues. It was never at like normal cafes or bars the way that it was in like lib cities in the US. So yeah, swings and roundabouts, but um, it wasn't great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like here, it was. I don't know. In sh- in Chicago, it was like pretty similar. It sounds like. I mean, like the rules were all the rules were always changing, but it was like for a long time, it was like okay, now you're allowed to have ten people at a gathering, and okay, the numbers are better now. You can have like fifteen people. You know, it was like stuff like that for a long time. Basically. I don't even know. Maybe it wasn't even like the rule necessarily, but people basically didn't like do anything until the vax was rolled out, which was like in whatever spring spring 2021. Well, there was that one glorious month where I really thought it was going to end. And then like the next month it was like Delta. Everyone has to be back in masks. It was like all of a sudden they were like, like at first they were like, Oh, if you're vaccinated, like you don't need to wear a mask. And then they were like, just kidding. You do. Yeah. yeah, it changed so like for one month I was like, "Woo, let's do it!" I was like so excited, you know. And then like it completely. That was my like, red pill moment when the the masks came back after. Were you not red pill before that? Out. No, no, I no, I um actually just explained my whole journey on Pool House's pod that hasn't aired yet, but um, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I, I knew it wasn't like I knew it wasn't totally legit and i was always like i was never like a super covid person or anything but like i thought basically basically i thought like it was the democrats were using it like sort of cynically to like get trump out of office by making it look like he was bungling this crisis and that like they would just get biden in there and then like roll out this vax I didn't think the vax was going to be like amazing, but I also didn't think it was going to like, I thought they were just kind of like, okay, we're doing it. And then we're going to call it. And it's COVID's over after that. To be fair, so I think I the was va- the same as you. It was once the vax rolled out yeah. and I saw that they were trying to make everyone get it. That was my huge, like final straw red pill. Yeah. Like, I was like, yeah. And so even for that, me, but I didn't think, yeah, at first I didn't think that it was like what it turned out to be. And, and like, the big thing for me was like in Chicago, at least like it, it started to feel really normal after the vax rollout for the first, you know, so that's what I thought it was almost like proof of my theory. 
And then um, it was like when at the end of the summer 2021, when they brought back the mask mandate, I was like, oh, okay, like this shit is not going away. Like they're trying to keep it going as long as they can. I remember, uh, I'll never forget that the uh, when Biden, like the day after Biden was inaugurated, CNN uh, took off the death ticker, the death counter. Did they? I didn't know that because I was in the UK at the time. So I like wasn't looking at like any US media. Oh, I watch a lot. I'm like kind of like Trump in that way. I watch like all the stuff like at night, like I have it on in the background, <laughs> like they said he did. And uh, that w- that happened the day after Biden was inaugurated. They took off the death ticker, which they had had for like a year and a half. It was like, you know, like this many deaths today, this many deaths total. And they just like whipped it right off. I was like, wow, they didn't waste, they didn't waste any time. I feel like know? around that time I was kind of where a, was that like kind of, yeah, cynically thinking they wanted to make Trump look bad and this and that. And I was very skeptical by that point. I was scared of COVID at the beginning. Like at the beginning, I didn't really realize it was a psyop and I had, I think I told you guys this, like on the last pod, like I had other red pill moments and I was kind of like dirtbag left and stuff. So like, there was like a lot that I didn't agree with, like about like woke culture and like all of that stuff. But yeah, with COVID at first, I like, I took it seriously at first to an extent. I think my first red pill with it was like that summer of like BLM and everything where I was like, okay, like, so all these gatherings are okay, but the other ones weren't like, okay. So like, that's when I started to get skeptical. Then I moved to the UK in September 2020, I had been in Boston before that. I guess I'm like doxing myself. I like didn't say that last time. But anyway, whatever. And like, so it was like super woke in Boston. And um, yeah, so I moved to the UK. And in the UK, no one was like wearing masks really, like compared to in the US. Like everyone in the US, like I remember being like kind of shocked that no one was wearing a mask. Like Everyone was just walking around. Everyone was going out. It was way less strict. Whereas like all my lib friends back in Massachusetts, like I had this one friend, my roommate, actually, she had a boyfriend at the time and she was hanging out with the boyfriend. I was like single and I wanted to say goodbye to all my friends because I was leaving like the country, (laughs) like potentially permanently. And she was like, can't you say goodbye to them on Zoom? It feels like it's not safe for you to meet up with all these people. And I was like meeting up with them one-on-one and I'm like, girl, like, you have like your boyfriend, like you have stuff, like you have people to see, like I need to say goodbye to my friends. I'm not going to just sit in my room on Zoom and then leave the country. Like that's crazy. Um, So I was like getting a little bit skeptical, like with all of that. Um, But yeah, I don't think it fully hit me until like when the Vax came out, I was like excited a little bit at first. Not even for me. Like, I wasn't super like, oh, my God, I need to get vaxxed right this second. I wasn't super scared of COVID. I'd been going out a lot. And I was like, if I get COVID, I get it. Some of my friends had had it. But I was excited that, like, you know, the old people who might benefit from it are going to get it. And then once they get it, like, you know, then we can stop doing this whole charade. And then once it became abundantly clear that actually that was like a bait and switch and they actually wanted everyone to get vaccinated. Like, once it became super clear about that that's when I started going down the rabbit hole and I started looking at like conspiracy websites and I started looking at like <laughs> the daily skeptic in the UK. I don't know if you know like that site, but it's, it's just like a British, like kind of anti-lockdown. I think it was called, it was called something else at that point. I can't remember but it was like lockdown skeptic or something. And, um, Toby green, I think is like who runs it, like the journalist. 
And so I like I would like read that and there would be like the comment section and people in the comment section would be like really intense. And this was before I was super red pilled and they would be like super like red pilled. They were like super conspiratorial. So I didn't necessarily like agree with them, but it kind of planted a seed. And at the same time, that was right around the time that I got on Twitter. And I had not been on Twitter before because I thought that Twitter was for libs. Like I didn't even realize that there was like non-libs on Twitter because like I was like kind of in the art world and like everyone was libs. And one of my friends from real life had like an account on our side of Twitter. She's no longer on Twitter, but she had an account. I started following her. And then like that kind of combined with me looking at like these like lockdown skeptic websites made me realize that like a lot of people were also skeptical and I wasn't just being like paranoid and crazy with my thoughts. And then I was like, okay, that kind of gave me permission to like, like it wasn't like I got radicalized by Twitter because I was already having those thoughts, but it made me realize that I wasn't insane and that like other people were also having those thoughts. And I think that's what gave me pause. And then like in the UK, the Vax rollout was slower than it was in the US. So by the time, yeah. like, I wasn't eligible to get the vax until, like, May or June 2021, whereas, like, in the U.S., like, I'm pretty sure it was, like, March or something. Well, that was the other thing that was weird about it that I remember being very skeptical about. It was, like, they went from, like, so there was this, uh, I'm gay, as everyone knows, although I've been talking about being maybe bi um, <laughs> the last week on Twitter, but I'm not, mainly because I don't think a woman would have sex with someone as gay as I am. But um, I, I was surprised. like, like, I think that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll yeah, get maybe into I more like it. sexuality discourse later about like women's preferences, <laughs> but I think they would. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, well, I was um, basically, oh, I'm brain dead, but I remember, I'm going to remember it. Okay. What I was going to say was it went from like gaze, gaze over COVID, which I was following on Instagram, which was already infuriating me because like they were calling the cops on gay guys having like parties and like sending the cops to like their houses. So I hated that already. And that was, this was even like pre red pill. This is like when I still thought COVID was like dangerous, but I was like, guys, what are we doing? Like our whole thing is like, we don't call the cops, right? Like that's our whole thing. And now there's this whole, everyone's <laughs> laughing like about- ACAB, unless someone like sees one person during COVID, <laughs> in which case arrest him at once. <laughs> yeah, arrest them. So I hated that. And then I remember on that site, they were doing all this shaming because of course, like faggots like cannot control their social media presence. So they were all <laughs> posting, going to get their shots, right? Like in LA and stuff, like all these like influencer guys. And they were just dragging them on gays overcoated, like doxing them. They were like, this person got the vaccine like three weeks oh, early. Like jumping the oh, line oh, or whatever. Yeah, I remember line. that when they were like, oh, celebrities are cutting yeah. the line to get vaxxed. Totally. And that's and part like, of the op. That's because yeah, it month- makes it seem like, oh, I got to do this. Like, I got to get Yeah, this totally. And then like a month later, it was like, not enough people are getting it, people who don't want it. And it was so fast. And I remember that was really like, that was like the beginning Wait, of like my- Was it you that I was talking to about, like, I think it was. You were saying that you like first blew up on Twitter because you got in like a fight with like Demois or something. <laughs> like, I remember being so pissed. I got like red-pilled. And then everyone on, is it Demois? Is that how you pronounce it? Like they were like, well, like, so celebrity was unmasked at this gathering, and I was literally like, "You guys are fucking nerds!" Like, 
I know. Yeah, I got in a fight with Dumois. This is so stupid. Anyway, I know someone who knows Amber Heard. And I, uh, she posted, um, she, Dumois was asking for stories about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, like to make each of them look bad, right? And um, anyway, this long story short, she, my friend sits in a story about how she, she catered like this party for Johnny Depp and Johnny Depp treated everyone like total shit or whatever. And it sucked. And like Dumois was like, I can't put anything like that on there. Like we're only doing bad Amber Heard stories, but like said that in a DM. And then I put the DMs on my anon Twitter and I got like <laughs> <laughs> like 300 followers <laughs> from that because Demois started like commenting on it. Like, where did you get these DMs? Like, who are you? Blah, blah, blah. So I weirdly had like an, an Amber Heard. Uh, I was sort of like on the Amber Heard. I got like kind of um, like really autistically into that trial, which I know is like really cringe. I'm, it's, I'm sad even admitting this, but I got really <laughs> autistically into that trial. And my whole thing was just like, I don't buy that this like, that this like, you know, 115 pound woman made this man feel like threatened for his life. And I think like everyone is being so retarded trying to claim that's what happened. Oh, it's so obvious. And, you just and, have like your bog standard, like toxic relationship dynamic. Like she's, yeah, they had, like, they're, yeah, both she, they're both shitty. Like, yeah, she doesn't sound like a good person, but I was just like this whole idea that like everyone was trying to like, like I, it just felt like the logical end of the me too movement was sort of like, well, women are just as bad as men. And I really didn't like that. So yeah. I was just like, I was like pushing back against that. So I had a lot of like Amber Heard followers, <laughs> <laughs> people who were really into Amber Heard. Do you still have um, them or because- have they like departed now that your Twitter has like taken on like, I don't know. Cause I stopped checking after a while. A lot of people did, unfollow um but whatever it's fine well you know as my as my identity changed from an amber heard supporter to a troll (laughs) but i still i I still i still believe what i thought about amber heard which is like everyone was trying to treat johnny depp like he was a battered woman was stupid so well i i agree (laughs) with that for for what it's worth but yeah, I, I hated Demois for like other reasons. Like I was just like, like there was constant, like so-and-so's not vaccinated. So-and-so's like not masked. And at that point I was like already red-pilled. But yeah, like I I was kind of on my way to getting red-pilled. But by the time like the vaccine became available to me, it was like, like I said, May or June. And by that point I was already like enough time had elapsed to be super skeptical. Whereas had I been in the U.S., like, I don't know what would have happened. Like, there's a chance yeah. I might have got it because I, I wasn't, like, fully, fully red-pilled yet. I was a bit skeptical and annoyed, but there was a chance I could have just been like, oh, fuck it. Like, I'll get the shot. All my friends are getting it. Like, you know what I mean? Whereas- I honestly didn't even think about it. Like, I I mean, I didn't, again, like, I wasn't scared. Like, I knew COVID wasn't really dangerous for most people unless you're, like, super old or super sick or whatever. But, like, I was or just really like, give, give me that shit. Let's get back to the bars and whatever. Like, let let I just want my life. Yeah, back. and I think that's you know, where a lot of people were at. And I think that there was, like, a good chance that could have been where I was at had I been in America. But because I was, well, like, two months behind, I started seeing all the data coming out of America, right? And seeing that, like, people were still getting COVID and that people were getting myocarditis, like, all of this stuff was starting to trickle out 
by the time my age group was available, like to get the vaccine or eligible, whatever, to get the vaccine in the UK. And then that's when I really went down the rabbit hole, but I had the whole appointment booked. Like I had it booked and it was only like, like the day of my vaccine appointment that I made the decision that I was like, fuck this, I'm not getting it. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, I think that's what was funny about that. We're talking a lot about COVID, but that's fine. This is like thoughts and prayers. (laughs) No, no, this is is like thoughts and prayers, like original. This is like what we got on to do. Um, It was pretty normal around that time to, uh, for people to say things like, I want to wait a couple months and see how it goes. That even amongst libs, that was a pretty normal thing to say. And it was funny how quickly it became like, and I know people whose lives got like totally fucked up. I have a friend who lost her job and was homeless because of the vaccine. She refused to get the mandates. I have another friend whose cousin killed himself because he lost his job. Um, He lost his job because he actually got the vax, but he lost, but there was a paperwork error and they laid him off because they didn't think he'd gotten the vax. And I'm sure like, yeah, I know it's crazy. Um, And he killed himself. I'm sure there was a lot of other psychological stuff going on, but anyway, I just, the straw that breaks the camel's back, like COVID literally broke people psychologically. Like they did that. That's, that's my point. I know some people who were like so severely, and then I know, several people who are so were so severely uh they're so severely anxiety ridden and hypochondriac friends like that now too like severe panic issues because of covid and it's so sad because i'm like you know everyone is gonna like die of (laughs) of something it's you guys being so stressed about it it's like it's not helping anything but let's do you want to switch to the mid discourse because i actually just i actually just i actually just pulled it up and we're we're getting so serious i know um are you are you guys no no no? I think it's good because that's that's really thoughts and prayers classic was dragging the lockdowns. So that's how we that's how we started. Um I feel like do you why guys we wanna... all got on Twitter? So it's like, you know, it's like nice to tip our hats to it, but we can move on. I mean, it's a it's an evergreen topic and it probably will be for decades. I mean, it's totally. it's still this it's still like the main like op that's happening. I mean, the thing basically. that's funny is like whenever I hang out with people, you guys included, who like I agree with on this. I don't even really want to talk about it. Like we don't talk about it. Like when we're like DMing or whatever, or like when I'm hanging out with like my anti-vax friends in Florida, like I'm not like, we don't talk about it. Cause we know that we're on the same page. There's no need to talk about it. And like, literally it came up the other night when I was out and I was like, can we just not talk about COVID? And my friend was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, good. I don't want to talk about it. So sorry for bringing it up. It's literally just, no, no, no. I, I think it's good. It's very, it's very on brand. Um, okay, let's do mid though. Let's let's bring something funny in. And then maybe we will torture A with talking about Natalie and Caroline at some point. But, um, because I did read most of this book. So (laughs) anyway, uh, I I tweeted, so I I, want to know your, I think you have kind of like a different angle on this, Cassandra, but I tweeted, the whole mid discourse is so funny because guess what? Almost everyone's mid, which is a, which is a, a, a belief I've had for a long time. I'm like, if the, if the zero through 10 uh, scale really works, like aren't most people like between four and six, like in theory, I don't know. That was just a thought I had. And then I said, sexual attraction doesn't even work like that. And I said, just talk to a woman. Most women would say Tony Soprano is a one on the binary. Okay. Wait, before so, we get into that, this is like me showing like my own like ignorance. What is the what is the okay. bin- what is being a one on the binary mean? <laughs> the binary is the only numeric system that matters, in my opinion. I don't know. What it's it is. just 
it's just it's just a zero on the binary means you wouldn't. Yes or no. Yeah, yeah it's okay, just okay, yes so or no. Okay, so would or would not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and like I think I don't know where it started. It was definitely like I know like it was definitely like a red scare, like right wing Twitter podcast people. But anyway, it's just like. You would or wouldn't. That's all it is. Okay. So I was I was saying I think Tony Soprano is a would for most women. But I don't know. Maybe I'm No, not. I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just saying that I don't think sexual I think this I don't like how well this is like something this is this is this also ties into the whole right wing Twitter guys are gay. Because I just think that all of this like rating women in this way, like, oh, she's a seven, so this, or, oh, she's a nine, so this, or you don't really want a 10, so this. Like, my problem with it, I mean, it's misogynistic, but my problem with it really isn't that specifically. It's that I think it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how human attraction works. That's That's my take on it. It's like, that's not how... Like, I don't think people think like, well, I'm a six, so I'm going to go find a six. Like, I think attra- I think attraction is just more mysterious than that. It's a more, anyway, you, you're you having a face, Cassandra, no, so I'm what just, do you think? No, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, first of all, I think that <laughs> the people who are saying this don't even believe it. I don't think that anyone who's even tweeting this stuff actually, like, operates that way in their real life. Like, if most of these men in their real life were presented with pretty much any women, like they they would yeah. be like happy, like you know. And it's not even just about attraction; it's about everything. Like on Twitter, all these guys are like, oh, like they have all of these like arbitrary rules, like where it's like, oh, she can't have a tattoo, she can't have student loans, she can't have X amount of body count, she can't have this, she can't have that, right? But if you meet someone in real life and you have chemistry and you have feelings for them, you have a crush on them, like none of that stuff matters. And so I feel like people are just like so weirdly like memifying and over-intellectualizing something that's like actually, as you said, mysterious, chemical, fundamental. I don't know. I just, I, I find it very hard to believe that most of these guys, if they met a woman in real life who they liked or were attracted to, who didn't fit this arbitrary criteria, they'd be like, sorry, I'm turning her away. You know? I mean, I'm I, I'm sorry, but I don't even know if they would necessarily even have to be that attracted to her. Like most single guys I know, really like any woman, if presented them with the option for like sex or attention of some kind would take that attention. Well, that's what and- I think it's mostly just hope, though. It's like <laughs> these guys are like talking about how everyone's mid because like basically no one is giving them that attention or whatever, you know? And it gets so crazy. Like Mad Gold, I know, I'm sorry, but he's like the one of the craziest ones. Like he posted this crazy thing. Well, I think that he's just like um, gay as well. Like on top of everything, he's like well, obsessed he, with like, he does. like thin women or whatever. And yeah. I'm, you know, a thin woman, whatever. I'll body docs. Like in, in general, <laughs> like I guess my stature is probably like the type of woman that, he like talks about that he likes or whatever. But as a thin woman, I actually find it really disturbing and creepy when men on Twitter are like, oh, I love skinny women. I think I actually tweeted this once and some men got mad at me. I tweeted something that was like, I personally prefer to be underweight, but if a man prefers me that way, that's a red flag. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I don't I want agree. my man to prefer me to be underweight. And there's something that's like slightly homosexual about it. You want me to look like a teenage boy? Like what's going on here? There is something homosexual about it. This is what he said about th- this, this, you guys know her, yeah. right? Geo Scotty. Oh yeah. Dude, and that shit is. That shit is weird. I'm, so so I'm like so close to like muting her name. I know. So she, just so, just so people know, she's this like, like perfectly attractive woman but all these weird right-wing twitter accounts always post her picture and this is to say this is what ancient greek towel boys look like and it's like really funny because the whole thing is like it's like they see a picture of a woman and they like come out and they're like i am a gay pedophile um which I've yeah, just like basically they're saying like that gay guys like fu- or greek dudes fucked boys because they looked like this girl is what they looked like this girl and then yeah. this is what med gold 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 wrote not every girl was born to be a sex slave emily radikowski is geo scotty is not she's meant to be greeted with a kiss on the forehead a light smack on the ass and be surprised with vacations and handbags. Total cutie wife material. You must know the difference. And I have a little something for the listeners. I will not say who sent me this, but a listener friend of the pod told me that they catfished Medgold last year. Um, so they know what he looks like and that he's a total like Guido, like muscle head, like testosterone, like Italian guy. So I, just, I heard like people saying that he was like Indian or something. Like so, there's like weird rumors going around about him. Well, uh, well, this I mean maybe he used a fake picture, but this person catfished him, sent him fake pictures of like the type of woman he would uh, be into, I guess. Which is kind of really hard to tell what type of woman he would actually mm-hmm. be into. But anyway, she got back like a uh, Guido Italian. Like anyway. But okay, so the whole so anyway, that's just an example. I don't want to talk about med gold, but that's an example of this type of posting about women, which is like only like these types of women are acceptable to me. And it does seem very gay because like there's another whole side of sort of like this type of Twitter that's like the Perry. Again, I like Perry, but it's like his whole side of things, which is like, they're always making these jokes about being gay, which I think straight guys like kind of always do to some extent. Um, I do think that's like, I mean, I have seen that in my life, like straight guys making jokes about being gay, but sometimes you're like, there's a little too much truth in it. And that's how I'm starting to feel. Like sometimes it seems funny and cute. And sometimes it's like, there's a little too much truth. And some of these right wing guys are starting to feel like there's a little too much. Truth. Well, it's like they're it's kind of couched in this ironic attitude where it's like being alpha is gay, right? Like that's kind of the joke or whatever. Yeah, but I agree with Cassandra that like this whole idea of like women being super thin and they should like lose weight feels kind of gay too because it's like Oh yeah, what is that like zero HP Lovecraft is always like she could lose some weight and whatever, it's a meme. I get it. It's a joke. It's a meme. But I feel like that meme ends up bleeding into the discourse in this really weird way where like that post by Medgold and I know we're not trying to like go off on Medgold specifically, but it's like He's like, oh, yeah, she just gets a little slap on the ass, and then we buy her a bag. Like, you literally sound like a gay fashion designer. What's going on here? You don't sound like you're attracted to <laughs> you sound like That is actually a way that, like, a gay man, like, would interact with, like, a girlfriend. Right. And you know, just, like, which is, like, but weird to me. And then, like, that you're dressing up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, like, totally. That's, like, totally a way that 
gay, like gay men and women friends act with each other. And then like, I was, uh, I posted this thing too about like, I was like the, the funniest day on Twitter was when all the guys were saying like, I don't know if this was right wing guys or not, but some right wing guys responded and said she is fat when they were calling Kate Upton fat. And I was like, I don't believe you guys for a second. You guys would fuck Kate Upton in a second if you're straight. And if you wouldn't, you're gay. <laughs> like if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't fuck Kate Upton, you're probably gay. You know? I Jesus. would agree with that, honestly. I mean, that's ridiculous. Or yeah, at, at least if the reason is because she's fat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if the reason is because you're like happily married, like A is, I understand. I understand. But if you're if you're trying to say like I wouldn't fuck her because she's, you know, no, yeah. and this is- I'm almost ready for, for someone to call Sydney Sweeney fat. Like that's coming. Oh no, it's just because she is. But like, yeah, like yeah. I again, like not to be like weirdly body doxing, but like I am actually like a thin woman like i feel like me and dasha have like a similar body right and people say that like, oh here we go cassandra's so skinny guys <laughs> no, but, like whatever like i've yeah i've been like anorexic my whole life it's fine but it's like, <laughs> I don't, like want to think that the guys who are attracted to me are gay so i can like understand that like you know there's this weird cope there where it's like oh no actually this is the ideal female body type and for me like i prefer to be thinner but yeah, it's like it's super weird when guys express that preference. Like I'm like, and if you like me, like sure, I want you to like how I look, but I don't know. It's super weird when a guy is like, I want a girl to be anorexic. There was this guy that I knew when I lived in the UK years ago, and his girlfriend was like super anorexic. Like she was like, she looked like she was on death's door, this girl. She was so skinny. And he would brag. Dead girl, dead girl aesthetic. That's a new Zoomer thing, well, by the way. He was into that. But this was like, he was like a <laughs> pioneer because like this was like 10 years ago. But yeah, he would be like, oh yeah, she like eats like one apple a day. Like she never eats. It's so hot. Oh my. Yeah. God. And it's like, okay, your girlfriend's like literally going to die. But like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just, it, it the, the whole mid discourse seems tied in with this right-wing guys are possibly gay but yeah my take is just that like most people are mid and the people but here's one thing i do agree with i heard otessa moshfeg speak once one of my favorite writers and she was saying that like it was really funny because like the interviewer was like clearly like a woke like scold and she's like she's she's like not a woke scold at all like you can tell she has like deviant opinions like we do but she was like she's like no but everyone understands when like someone is attractive and he's like well yeah but it's like you know it's all like you know cultural references and blah 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 but she's like yeah but she's like come on like we understand like she's like everyone there's a people can look at someone and think that person's an attractive person and i I kind of cultural references like i feel like it's mostly biological at the end of the day (laughs) yeah yeah there's like people who get like a and, like, I've seen it in my life. Like, I've seen, like, really beautiful women. Like, Cassandra, you're gorgeous. And I've, I've seen people react. I've seen people react to beautiful women. And it's, like, it is it is obvious when it's obvious when that's happening. It's not, like, this big um, secret. But the whole mid-discourse does seem like a cope, mostly. Yeah, and I think also, this is not the same thing, but this was, it's kind of a jumping off point. We were talking about it, like, in our chat earlier. But, like, I think that there's such a fundamental misunderstanding of like, like the opposite sex, like when it comes to the gender discourse that happens on Twitter, like you're both talking past each other in so many fundamental ways. And as a woman and my friend, um, 
one of one of my Twitter friends, um, she actually just got her original account back. I was going to like name drop her, but I'm like, I can't remember. It's like nuts 69. She like finally got her account back. But anyway, <laughs> she and I were like DMing earlier and she was saying that like men, like, you know, that like, what's his name? Like noisy or noisy, that annoying guy with like the Viper sunglasses and the William Shakespeare like profile pic. Yeah, always yeah, yeah. like tweeting yeah. about like TikToks and like dating discourse and whatever. Like all of these men, he's just one example, but like they're always tweeting about how like women are so picky. Women have these like crazy standards and it's so hard for men out there and like whatever. And I think that if you just watch fucking TikToks and you're terminally online, I think that that's true. You would be demoralized. I would be demoralized, right? Like I, I've been blackpilled and demoralized as a woman being on Twitter, seeing people talking about the wall. I'm 30, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I see people talking about women like me as empty egg cartons and this and that. And like, you know, none of this bears out in real life. When I'm out in the world in real life, none of this feels accurate. But if if I were just on Twitter and I wasn't interacting with people in real life, I would be blackpilled as fuck. I'd be like, okay, I guess my life's over, right? So I can totally understand why men kind of go down a rabbit hole as well and see the way that women talk about men on Twitter or on TikTok or whatever and think, oh, wow, like I might as well give up. Women have really high standards and like, you know, this and that, like women have these whatever. But anyway, the point is what my friend was saying was that it's like, it's a manifestation ritual in a way. Like these women don't actually have those standards. They're saying that they have these standards. It's this weird performance that they're doing on TikTok. But in real life, it's like the fucking opposite. Like the other day I had like tweeted about this and Q, like you had commented on it. Like someone was saying like, oh yeah, my friend, he's like five foot seven. And I agree with this, by the way, I agree with this part. If you put that you're five foot seven on a dating app, women will swipe, you know, right less than they would if you were taller, right? Because on a dating app, everything's quantifiable. So you don't have the attraction, the chemistry, the the charisma or the riz, as the Zoomers would call it, that, that you would experience in real life. So I get that on a dating app, if a man is shorter, that's like a disadvantage for him. So anyway, this this guy was saying that like his his friend who's five foot seven put that he was five foot nine on hinge and then started getting way more matches. Okay, fine. I believe that that part's understandable. But then he was saying that none of the women that met up with him knew that he wasn't actually five nine and that like women can't tell what height is. And like, you know, men, like it was kind of like, okay, men, like you can just lie about your height because women can't tell. And I was like, okay, wait, hold up a second here. Okay, fine. I, I, I'll give it to you. If a woman is like five foot, five foot two, like whatever, like, yeah, probably she can't tell because men are just like tall compared to her. But if a woman is like close in height to that guy, you can absolutely fucking tell. I'm five foot seven. So I'm like on the taller side of average for a woman. And I've been out with guys who have put that they are five nine and they are not five nine. They're five seven. I meet up with them in person and we are the exact same height. But I've never said, oh, no, you're like, why did you lie about your height? Because it's like at the end of the day, it's superficial. It's weird. I don't care. I'm not going to embarrass this guy. And if I like him as a person, like, why would I like try to humiliate him about his height? And even if I don't like him as a person, it's like, well, we just won't go out again. I'm not going to make a weird comment about your height. 
So anyway, the point is. Yeah, it's also just like a trope too. Like, right, you're almost like supposed to kind of lie about your height if you're a guy. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. That, that, yeah, you just expect that men are going to lie about their height. But the thing that I thought was weird was that it was like, oh, women can't tell. And it's like, no, honey, like they can tell. They're just like being nice because women are socially conditioned to like be nice and not like offend people. And like, even when women are like rejecting people, like they always do it in like a fucking roundabout way. I mean, I can't speak for all women, but at least for me and most of the women that I know, it's like women don't like rejecting people. They're scared of rejecting people. They don't want to anger people. They don't want to upset people. They don't want to offend people. So like whenever I'm rejecting someone, it's in this very roundabout way. It's never just like, oh no, you're too short for me and I don't want to date you. And like that, for me, like, I don't even care about height personally. And I think that's another thing. I'm going down so many rabbit holes. I'm sorry. But like another thing that I was thinking about with the mid discourse and the attraction discourse is for so many women, like looks are like not even close to being the most important thing. And it's this weird manosphere, like looks maxing idea. That's really bizarre. Women go for charisma. Women go for interesting guys. Women go for funny guys, goofy guys, like, Sure. Like, I guess, yeah, if you're like heinous looking in some way, maybe that's a problem. But I think if you're even just remotely average, like you're going to do fine. You just need to have a good personality. Have yeah. you ever have dated you... someone shorter than you? Have I dated someone shorter than me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've dated multiple guys. I've, I've like, I'm a broad church of like, I don't care. Like I've had a boyfriend who was a foot taller than me. I've had, I've dated guys who were like two inches shorter than me. Like, Yeah. I don't care. All right. There you go. <laughs> there we go, guys. Take the white pill on this one. Um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, it's funny to, th- I do think that men, I mean, I feel like as a, a, being a gay, like I kind of get to, ob- I've kind of gotten to observe like both spheres. It, it's not so true now. Now in my 30s, men and women have a much better understanding of each other. But in my 20s, it was very funny to observe like how, like I remember like guys in my twenties would be like, Oh my God, I'm going to make up a total like random name. That's not someone I know, but like, Oh my God, Abigail's so hot. You like got to help me get with Abigail. Like, you know, like I, I, I really, really like her. And I'm like, dude, like even, and I would like say this to them and they would get like mad sometimes. I would be like, dude, even you coming to me like this, this desperate is going to make Abigail not attracted to you. You know what I mean? Like, because you're already entering this situation with this, like, desperate, like... Thirsty. You know? Like, yeah. And it's, like, it's gonna... That's not gonna be attractive to, I think, and any I think woman. Women you know what like I mean? it better when it happens organically. Like, I think, often, yeah. like, if a guy comes to them, he's like, I'm obsessed with you. Like, whether it's, like, I want to fuck you or I'm in love with you or, like, any of it, I think that that's off-putting to a woman. I think that... If a woman gets to know a guy organically and kind of feels safe and thinks that it's happening organically, but it has this like sexual tension and this chemistry, like that's what's hot about it rather than a guy who's just like prostrating himself for you immediately. Yeah, it's emasculating. Well, I, I think. think for like men and women to some extent, like want someone who's like, I don't know, like has their own life and, you know, I don't know, like just do has shit going on, places to be, whatever interests, projects you're working on, or whatever, just like something where it's not Goals. like yeah. That I they're not like, like your main interest I, or that dating's not their main interest. Yes, exactly. And also I think so, part yeah. of the problem as well is like 
if you feel like a guy is casting the net wide, which obviously he is, and I don't disparage that. It's kind of like essential, I guess, to like just the dating game these days. But like knowing that you are just like one of the many people that he's messaging, well, it doesn't feel special. And I think that that's where a lot of men go wrong on like dating apps, for example. If they're messaging you and it's just like you can tell that it's like a cut and paste message because they're trying to maximize like their amount of like responses. Well, that's not going to like entice a woman to message you back because women want to feel special. They want to feel like you were saying something about them specifically, not just like about women in general. Yeah. Hey, sup. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I feel all that. I think that's, I think that's all. Do you have anything you want to add a about the mid discourse? (laughs) Um, I don't, I don't really have anything specific to say. I just always thought the manosphere type discourse since like back in the day with like the game or whatever it was, it's just kind of corny and like cope basically. Um, yeah. And yeah, I've seen like super like not very attractive dudes with a lot of charisma or, you know, even just like funny, like Cassandra said, like as long as you have something going for you and like can kind of create a little energy in a conversation or something, you know, you've got a shot. <laughs> y'all should listen. Y'all incels out there. I know there's some of you should listen to A because he's one of the most consistently dated dated people i know <laughs> good you gotta listen you gotta listen that's the key. good listener <laughs> yeah good oh, listener oh, yeah that sounds so hard yeah <laughs> tell me more about that yeah you you do truly you're, you're truly one of my friends that is a serial monogamist um okay i'm looking at our docket suggestions do we do you want to talk about LGBT Nazis, A, or do you want us to go into <laughs> Natalie and Carol? I don't even know what that means. I don't know what it means. But either. I'm intrigued. <laughs> oh, you were you you sent us the thing about how like that 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 uh that event venue was like trembling in their boots about being canceled by Oh yeah, the okay, yeah, like the queer art mafia. Yeah, we could do queer art mafia before we do finish out with natalie and caroline (laughs) i mean i don't honestly even really have that much to say about that but it is something i never like i never really given it much thought before but yeah like i noticed there's been a few instances like somewhat high profile um in in my city where i mean (laughs) uh, (laughs) where these like music venues that um you know like are like essentially like lib music venues i mean they're not like officially but that's who's going to these like art and music events or whatever basically get canceled for being like i yeah i don't know like not sufficiently in this one that i gave you today that i showed today was like what they they declined to host a queer erotica film festival that was i guess included some x-rated material yeah which they're being generous because i'm sure that means there was some of it was pornographic would be my guess yeah they're being generous with the word erotica but anyway and they even said like specifically that it was not because it was like a queer arts event but because like they could lose their 
business license for showing porn or something, basically. And they were getting like canceled over that, basically. I mean, it's funny when you sent that to me, what I was laughing about was that like, as a, even as a gay guy, I feel like increasingly like I could be canceled by my, by my own community because, you know, like white cis gay men are at like the top of the, you know, the LGBT pyramid. Um, and sometimes I've seen people even post that we're like worse than, uh, straight people because of our like our like uh i don't know immense privilege or whatever and i just think it's funny because it's like yeah if if you don't fall into this like really intense party line like you will be canceled and i was actually thinking about other red so i'm listening to the jk rowling podcast of continuing to listen to it the witch hunt of jk rowling she continues to come across so articulate in middle of the road this entire time. <laughs> so I really have realized that no one has let this woman talk. Um, but cause if she does talk, she's going to sound really reasonable. But anyway, the point, my, my point was just that like, uh, it's like more and more like must be ex- accepted. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's, it's just getting, to the point where even me as a gay person feels like it's getting like a little ridiculous. Like I sent you guys that video of the woman who uh, identifies as a bird. today, <laughs> And it was like, it's like, it's like so much. It's like, what does that even mean? And it's like, it's just getting. My dad has been yeah, saying this this whole time. Like my boomer dad, who's like not online at all and doesn't understand any of this. And he's a Democrat. He's not a conservative. But he's like, what's next? Trans species? He's like, mark my words. Like, people are going to be transitioning into, like, animals. And, I mean, I didn't send him it's, video, You but- know what? My parents also don't, like, buy the trans kind of situation. And it, it, despite, yeah, hook, line, and sinker falling for every single <laughs> other psyop, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just because it's so obvious, like some of it is so obviously in bad faith. I think that's the problem. And so people just can't, like, I like this is what JK Rowling said, which again is so middle of the road. She's like, I sincerely believe there are people with gender dysphoria. And she's like, and I sincerely believe that that is very painful and that we should like make accommodations for those people. But she's like, some of the stuff that's happening now is just so... Like way happening in bad faith, and it's like she's like I just refuse to like not talk about that. Anyway, I the last I was going to mention this, Cassandra, because you probably I wondered how you felt about this. One of my first red pill moments in my own community was when they canceled Chimamanda Adichie. Do you remember that? I do remember it, but I can't remember exactly. Like I remember it was like they said transphobic. Yeah, all she said was, I went back and looked at the quote because I was like, how bad was it? And this is like, A, this is like a really famous, like lauded, like celebrated writer. Feminist writer. Feminist writer. She was in a Beyonce. Yeah, she was in a Beyonce song. Anyway, whatever. All she said was that trans women's growing up experience is different than women's. That was the quote. Yeah, I mean... I, of course, agree with that. I mean, this was my first <laughs> before Chimamanda. And I remember the Chimamanda thing happening. I just couldn't remember exactly what it was that, like, she had said. But, yeah, I mean, I think that it's, like, just fundamentally obvious that, like, if you grow up raised as a 
boy because you're male, like you have a different experience than a woman who was a girl and whatever. And like, yeah, you still might have had a traumatic experience, especially if you are gay or if you do have gender dysphoria. Like, no one's saying that your childhood was charmed. They're literally just saying that your childhood was different than different than yeah. someone who yeah. not and, being and socialized female. So. To me, this thing just shows like how like libs imagine themselves as like sticking up for the underdog or whatever, being like anti-establishment. But this kind of stuff to me like proves how much like they're propped up with like extreme institutional support from like every basically major institution the media whatever the government everything it's like corporations yeah corporations corporations. those are the big ones you know if it wasn't for that institutional support this movement would just collapse on itself because they're all just obsessed with like attacking each other infighting and like Oh, like you, you know, like tearing each other down for what the saying this statement that's basically just obvious and obviously true. And I think that that institutional support that like gets behind that then forces like the more moderate normies into backing it just because they're like, oh, well, I don't want to be a chud. I want to be a good liberal. Like, even though like if that institutional support wasn't there, they would obviously be like, no, this is like that. that, None of this would even cross their mind, but it's kind of being spoon fed (laughs) to them. And then they're like, okay, yeah, I agree with that. So I'm a good liberal. And it's like, okay, I don't know. I like that your parents, A, don't fully buy it. That gives me hope because that means I don't either. And they're, yeah, they're Democrats. Like, and it is I that mean, my parents have no idea. Like my parents have literally like they wouldn't even know. I, I bet if I could said the word gender dysphoria to them, they would have no idea what I was even talking about. Yeah, they they like dead gender everyone in the, like <laughs> if they know like an IRL trans person. The only thing I'm not even like conscious. They're not like trying to do it to be mean or something. They just like that's I just, feel like my parents get it. were fine with it like how it used to be like when when there was like genuine you know it was rare and it was like genuine transsexuals who actually got like physical sex changes which i'm not even advocating that that should happen by the way i have that's a whole different rabbit hole but like when that would happen when it would be like this once in a blue moon thing where someone would actually get like a physical sex change and whatever i think that my dad and his partner like respected that but nowadays with like all like the crazy like pronouns and shit, like that's where they draw the line. Yeah. Like they, I think they, they understood it like back then, but now that it's become so saturated with all this other stuff, that's where they're like, Oh no, no, we don't believe that. (laughs) Yeah. The DID thing mixed into is weird. Like the bird woman was like talking about how she has DID and like all her different personalities in her head. And I'm like, this is bad. Like, this is bad that people, that TikTok is making all these young people think they have multiple personality disorders, which has essentially been, like, disproven as, like, a real thing, you know? I mean, it sounds cool. Like, I like the idea. Like, I wish I wish that, like, it sounds, like, fantastical. It's, like, the flat earth stuff. Like, I, I love thinking about, like, weird stuff. It'd be cool if there were, like, two people in my head. But, like, there's not, you know? Like, I just... I know there's not. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. All right. Do we want to, do you want to try to, can, can we try to explain Caroline and Natalie? And then I talk about the book, give a short book review. 
Are you into that, Cassandra? I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, I haven't Wait, read will, the you, book. will you put up with it? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. No, but you have to do it like explain it to a five year old, but it's like, but it's explain fine too it because we don't know guy. if the listeners like know. So, like, we have to explain it regardless. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, actually, a. I will I will just give the briefest I won't even say why I was in Chicago but um the last time I was with a lot of people you know when this story hit I'll just say that and so it was fun to talk about with them because I was thinking back I was like who were the people that were I was with when this happened anyway here's the story um the story is that uh there were these so there's this girl woman Caroline Calloway and she is um she was like an influencer. Okay. <laughs> like an Instagram influencer. And she, uh, ended up getting this book deal to write this book about her time at, it wasn't Cambridge. What's the other one? No, it was Cambridge. Oh, it was Cambridge. One? Oh, it was yeah. Cambridge. She got a book deal to write about Cambridge and her book was going to be called, and it was like, and like sort of like- the way that girls, <laughs> And we were like, like, yeah, Caroline Calloway editor here. Like for some reason I know everything about her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I know a lot about it too, but I messed that up. But yeah. So, (laughs) uh, and then her, her book deal mysteriously imploded. So this was sort of like an influencer crossover with literary community story. Cause she got paid $375,000 to this book deal, which is a huge advance. What is it just like a memoir type deal? It was like a YA novel. Oh, okay. But well, like it was novel, a huge advance. It was supposed to be like about her, right? I think auto it was. Fiction. Be, I think it was supposed to be like auto fiction okay. or whatever. But anyway, just, or just yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just so you know, the average advance, at least a couple years ago in the U.S., was like seven thousand. So three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars is a lot of money for like a fic- for a writing. And especially piece. someone um, who's never written a book before. So like, there's no guarantee that she's before. even going to be able to deliver. Right, right. So it's so in, the, so in the publishing world, it was a big deal. And so then she tried to do this um, wellness, like basically touring wellness, like retreat thing, where she was going to go to different cities. What was she calling them? Retreats, not the right oh word. Oh my god, I can't remember. Like conferences. Anyway, it was, was going to be part like, of like hawking the book or whatever. No, this was like after the book imploded, she was trying oh, to do like a okay. new like grift. And her like new grift was yeah. like, I'm gonna go around and meet up with these girls and we're gonna like make flower crowns and talk about like art and like we're gonna drink out of mason jars and like eat salads or yeah, whatever. She was charging but- about like six hundred dollars for like nothing. Like, to just, like yeah, she was charging a lot of money. Like a lot of people were paying a lot of money to like go to these things. So then, to, like parasocially hang out with her. <laughs> to parasocially hang out with her, and so then there was like these huge, um, like kind of like she's so online that she was posting the implosion of these events, like on her Instagram. So lots well, of people in what were- sense were they imploding? Well, she couldn't book venues. And oh. then she like got like two thousand mason jars delivered to her West Village studio. And she like yeah, like oh. she would take all the money, but then like not be able to deliver on what she promised. And so then everyone started calling her a scammer. So then she started leaning into this like scammer identity and made that her new identity. And 
Yeah, she was like doing like scammer t-shirts and stuff like that. And so then, of course, it sounds like almost like the fire festival kind of deal. Exactly. She was. She was. She was compared to that guy. She was festival of like Instagram influencers. (laughs) Yeah, she was like compared to like a female Billy McFarland. So then, the big like thing that happened was there was a there was the cut article with her best ex-best friend oh God, Natalie too. I need to like jump in and just tell you the thing that's so funny about this for my Cal- Caroline Calloway journey is I literally discovered Caroline the week before that article hit so like a lot of people discovered Caroline like after that or way before but I feel like I discovered Caroline at the sweet spot like I found Caroline the week before that article hit and I was like I got obsessed with her within one week so I was like this bitch is insane I need to know what's going on like immediately <laughs> and then like a week later that article hit and it was like inject this into my face <laughs> <laughs> yeah and Caroline Calloway just to give you a sense of her like persona she's sort of this like dr- or back then she was sort of like a druggy, but like intellectual hot girl. She's kind of like mid. I'm looking at. She's a little mid. Yeah. But she like, she used to post like nudes and you know, she would like go to like parties at like Harvard and be like, who has Coke tonight? Like, I don't know. She was sort of like, that sort of like she was like very much a BPD. Remember Arho, that time that of? she like went to Boston to go to parties at Harvard that she like wasn't invited to, and then like showed up to them and was like, "Who has coke?" And then she like bragged about not brushing her teeth for like three days. I remember that. <laughs> Lots of that. She sort of was like a proto Ayala a little bit. I can um, that. anyway. Yeah. So, so then the so then the article came out, and Natalie Beach sort of like painted this picture of her friendship with her. And she was sort of like, Natalie was the beta and Caroline was the alpha. So it was like a very classic alpha beta female friendship. And Natalie claimed that she had been writing Caroline's Instagram captions and she had written a lot of her book proposal. And so it it actually got really like a lot of traction and the article went viral. And then the Red Scare Girls in a really, really bitchy way had Caroline Calloway on their show, but they were really mean to her, actually. Oh, <laughs> it was a live like, show as well. So they had Caroline. Like, it was a live show, yeah. All, like, so it was really on stage. Cool. Like Caroline was like wasted on stage, if I recall. Yeah, and Anna and Dasha were so mean to her. And it was anyway, it was like a really awkward scene. Um and basically when what did happened that happen? That was like 2007. No, 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 no 2019. Yeah, it was 2019. It was like it was uh, right before I know, COVID. I was about to say, like, how crazy is that to think that, that was like six months before COVID? It feels like it was like an eternity wow. ago. Yeah, it was like six months before COVID. So that article went viral and it was this whole thing and lots of like mainly gay guys and women like talking about it because it was very much this like very standard, like alpha beta, like intense sort of like homosocial friendship element. And in my opinion, Natalie came across in the article really poorly, like, because she kind of blames Caroline for like all this like, dumb shit that's like her fault like Like, her own insecurities about herself and yeah she was like men always treated caroline and talking about women posting their l's she posted so many l's in that article like (laughs) like this bar this bartender was hitting on caroline and caroline like left to go back to their like airbnb in amsterdam and then the bar and then she tried to hit on the bartender and the bartender was like, uh, we could like fuck in the bathroom. And I was like, why do you put that in an article? <laughs> like such a, such a mortifying moment, you know? Um, 
anyway, so that's what happened. Now Natalie's the point. The reason this is getting brought up is now Natalie has a book coming Which out. Which is really so funny it's because it's like, you know, Caroline was the one who was supposed to have a book. Caroline still does not have a book. And now Natalie has a book. That's kind of cool. Wow. Now Natalie has a book. And she wrote all these essays. And, you know, the essays are just still really bad. Um, I've been reading, a, I've read a bunch of them. But like that isn't um, like badly written. They're poorly written and like, you know, she still just comes across as so just like, it's like a female cuck. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like she can't get, she can't get out of her own like victim, like mentality of like constantly painting herself as the victim. Like the whole first essay is about how she couldn't fit into Abercrombie jeans in high school and like all the other girls made fun of her because she had a big butt. And I was like, why? Like you have to get over this stuff. Like you have to accept that this happened and like move on with your life, girl, you know? (laughs) Um, So she does all that. And I thought it was interesting because lots of people are Abercrombie posting. She goes into the whole history of like Abercrombie being like racist or whatever they're trying to claim now. Abercrombie's like so lame now. Now that they're like disavowing all that, it's like like I went on the Abercrombie website. All their clothes are so boring now. I know they're doing plus sizes now. It would it would have been actually it's weird because with like everything going on like with Brandy Melville and stuff, if Abercrombie came back with their like thin white people aesthetic right now. It would probably blow up in a weird corner I totally of the world. Agree. I actually got my graduation dress for my MFA from Abercrombie, like last summer, like so <laughs> randomly, like I not for any reason, not for any aesthetic. I literally just was like looking for a specific type of dress, and I found it at Abercrombie. But yeah, like when I went on their site, I was like, none of this is the original Abercrombie. Like it was so so different. <laughs> All right, I'll read some of the quotes I highlighted and then we can kind of um then we could kind of move on. But I and I love that for you. Um she posted, oh, here here's some of the things that I that made me think she was really lame. She wrote, I couldn't play this music during store hours. So usually I would play to pimp a butterfly or the cast recording from the Buffy musical episode. Oh. At her pencil store she worked at. Um she wrote about she wrote about having anxiety about a thousand interlocking catastrophes, emaciated polar bears and caged children and millionaires ex- uh, celebrating the end of healthcare. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> it's very live. It's very so live. Like trying um, to like just seed in like every possible live opinion. Cover all the bases. <laughs> like emaciated. Um, oh, they could wear Abercrombie. To- yeah. Oh, she tried to she tried to save this woman from an abusive <laughs> relationship, I guess, or a relationship she perceived as abusive through her apartment wall. And the woman texted her, "Adults have dis- disagreements. We will keep the door- doors down. My relationship with my husband is none of your business." Just to give you a sense of the type of person she is, <laughs> she's really what, like, um, writing about that as if like like that woman was in the wrong for saying that and she should have like left her husband or like. Yeah. 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 It was sort of like, I was trying to save this woman from this horrible, um, you know, marriage or whatever, but like I, I couldn't. Um, 
Uh, oh, she wrote this whole essay, which was really weird, about being an abortion clinic, like, walker inner. What do they call those people? Escort. And she wrote about this whole scene where someone brought their child, like, this couple, a man and a woman, brought their child to get the abortion and how she had to sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star to drown out the abortion <laughs> protesters. And I had a lot of questions about that. I was like, if a couple is getting an abortion, like, why are you bringing your child? If I was be- getting an abortion, I would not want this chick, like... <laughs> no! <laughs> like, lurking around or whatever. Um, Please leave me okay. alone. And then the last thing I, was, I thought you would find interesting, Cassandra, is she wrote... After a semester studying abroad and teaching myself to silently masturbate in a room, I shared with two other girls, which I thought was sort of a queer. I, I mean, yeah, we were saying this before. Like, I do think that there are queer undertones, not to even use the term queer because I'm like <laughs> anti that term. But like, yeah, like I think that there's like some sapphic or lesbian or whatever you want to call it, like undertones to her weird relationship with Caroline. And I don't think that they were reciprocated. I don't think that Caroline liked her back in that way but i think that there are the thing is it's like go ahead no i don't know i just like and i think that this is a common thing in female relationships i think that there are a lot of female relationships that do have like a weird amount of like lesbian sexual tension and i don't necessarily think that that means even that either person is actually a lesbian i think that like just like female sexuality is like weird and there's so much like weird intercompetition between girls And so much like, you know, oh, I wish that I looked like her. And then it just gets so muddled up. And I definitely know like with the people that I know in real life who are actually like lesbians or bi or who date women, they've kind of said that. Like they're like, yeah, like when I was younger before I like, you know, accepted that I wanted to date women or whatever, it was like you'd be jealous of some girl or you'd want to be her best friend or like whatever, but you didn't really realize that you were attracted to her. And that's always the vibe that I got from Natalie. Like reading the piece, I was like, Natalie just wants to fuck Caroline. <laughs> she does. Or she wants to be her, which it's is like, nice. which she could be to, like, very. wear her skin, but also fuck her. <laughs> yeah. I do think it's, yeah, it is, it is so funny. And I do think, I think women with, in their friendships are way more competitive than men. In my personal opinion, I love competitive. I love stories about competitive femininity. And this was definitely a story about competitive femininity. And I thought it was funny because it was ultimately about writing. Um, you know, like it's ultimately about like these two writers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a strong word. It's a strong word for what they are. Anyway, everyone can get ready for like a new like Natalie and Caroline discourse to descend. It's it does seem like Caroline's life sort of ended. Like Caroline is like now. Okay, because I will make it clear. So I was I got really obsessed with the Caroline discourse at the end of 2019 and early 2020, and then I was like, you know, she like the the problem with Caroline is. I found her so fascinating and so funny, but she posted so much. This bitch posted, like, I post a lot. You guys know me. I'm on Twitter all the time. No. This bitch was posting, like, 24-7, like, fucking, like, 500 times every minute. Like, I was, like, in order to keep up with Caroline Calloway, like, you have to be, like, literally, you can't have a job. You can't have friends. Your whole life has to be dedicated to, like, looking at Caroline Calloway's Instagram. And I just got to the point where I was like, 
I would look at her Instagram like a normal amount of the time and I would be so lost as to like what was going on because she would post all these like crazy stories with like a wall of text and they were all referencing like, like, you know, various like dramas. And I would be like, well, I didn't see like what happened before that. And like, I can't catch up now. And so I eventually just like stopped looking at her Instagram because I was like, I can't, like, I was like, I I can't devote this amount of time to Caroline Calloway's studies, but Oh, yeah. She also had a, I forgot to mention, I have to, I have to insert this because you just reminded me before I forgot. She had a weird OnlyFans phase too, A, eh? and that's how mm-hmm. she paid back her book advance because she owed a lot of money to the publisher. <laughs> so she did this like literary OnlyFans thing where she would like dress up as like Hermione Granger oh, and like, Lord. Jesus. Yeah. She dressed up as it was Lita, didn't she? You dressed up as she oh, kept doing God. kind of like vaguely pedophilic things, which she also got dragged for because she did Hermione and then she did a Lolita, both, you know, famously under, <laughs> underage characters. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I the whole thing was just kind of fascinating. She now lives in Florida with her grandma. Wait, she's back she in makes, Florida. Yeah, she's down oh, there. God, she like I should hang out with her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if this was like the the end of the arc is that I become like IRL friends with Caroline. Oh, I was going to say, I thought this sounds like someone Q would like to hang out with and you could sort of usher in her next like arc, like her anti-vaxxer arc would be kind of like the night. She would be good. You know, I don't think she has like any politics, but (laughs) she would be good. She could really implant any (laughs) politics into her head that you wanted. Um I did like though she did she did remind me of some like women that I've really loved in my life like Caroline at least at least a couple years ago like this sort of like intellectual slut like party girl vibe she, I enjoyed like, actually an intellectual though no right? she's not act- I mean she went to Cambridge I guess no, but she so she's like, for, like edu- overeducated I'm pretty sure like the program that she got into was like really easy to get into compared to like other programs at Cambridge well I have heard that Cambridge and Oxford for international students is really easy to get into because they want them to come pay full price. Yeah, I don't you pay know if that's way true. more money as an international student. I mean, I studied in the UK, so I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's the update. I just thought some of our listeners might be interested that the book is coming out and I got an advanced copy. I don't really recommend reading it, but I do think the timeline will be fun because I think there will be like a new wave of, Caroline Calloway takes and is stuff. Is Caroline like that. even still on social media? Like, I feel like I never see her stuff. No, she's really not. She, I mean, she, she sometimes does on Instagram. She, she still does stories. By the way, I logged back into Instagram for one week and then log and then deactivated again because I went back on there and I realized, like, oh my god, all my friends just post like Black Lives Matter stories. <laughs> like, all no, that's what. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It's like yeah. We're on Twitter and we're in this weird echo chamber where we think people are like funny and normal. And then like you go on Instagram and all of your IRL friends are constantly posting like weird climate change or BLM shit like 24-7. Like I have friends like posting like weird climate anxiety posts. I like every post is like a guilt trap. I, I can't go on Instagram. Every post. I feel really weird about it because it's like, so I hardly ever go on Instagram, but sometimes I'll go on there when it's like, if I've had like a poem out or something and I want to like share it. So like, I like, I'm never on Instagram. I'm never liking anyone else's posts, but then it's like, I'll log in and I'll post 
And I'm like, everyone must like my post. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like, but people will, right? Like my friends will like my post because they're like nice and they're on Instagram. And then I feel guilty because I'm like, I never like any of their posts, but I can't cope with being on Instagram every time. I'm on well, I, I remember it was like really bad during the like George Floyd summer 2020 summer whatever. And it was like literally just all, it would just all be that, you know, like, BLM stuff. Yeah, that was frustrating. I actually got that was another moment where I got almost I almost got my uh my 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 like guess my not orthodox lib orthodoxy opinions. I almost got in trouble with some friends because I was like, guys, I don't think these riots are good. I was like, I don't think it's actually helping black people. Well, what about like, the black square? That was good. Oh, that was funny. No, yeah. I, I got that in was trouble a- during that time because I posted an Instagram story that like didn't have to do with black lives matter. It wasn't even on the grid. Yeah. You got in and you totally yeah. got in trouble. Everyone got in trouble. If you posted anything that wasn't yeah, that. I posted like well, a photo what- of me and my boyfriend at the time wearing like a funny t-shirt <laughs> that we had like made, like we made like a funny t-shirt and it was really funny. And anyway, we like posted it. <laughs> and then like his friend who was like super lib, posted a story like immediately after and it was like sub Instagramming us like subtweeting, but on Instagram. And it was like, if you're posting like selfies of you and your partner, instead of posting like black lives matter, then like you're taking up valuable real estate on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) And then I remember the black squares thing went from like, everyone has to do the black square. And then it was like, Actually, you're fucking up activists by posting the black square. That was it was my like favorite so arc ever that it was like it imploded on itself within 24 hours. But I and I was and I and what I said was like I told my I was like arguing with a friend about it at the time because I was like I actually saw this video of this black woman cr- like crying on her street because her street is fucking destroyed and she was like. I have to walk my fucking kid to school tomorrow. There's fucking glass everywhere. Like shit is on fire. Like, I don't want to walk my kid through this shit. Like go. She was like telling these, uh, these protest protesters, strong word for them. Uh, she was like, go the fuck home. Like I live on this block. Like, I don't want to walk my kid through this shit to go to school. Like this is not helping anyone. And I was like pointing that out to people and people were like, so mad at me. They were like, riots are the voice of the oppressed like blah 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 and i'm like so we're supposed to just like let these people like burn down like all these cities 30 something like 37 people died 38 people i mean it was bad you know and i'm like how who is this helping i don't think it helped anyone really remember that the canary in the coal mine with like sort of a return to like normal post blm summer was like when the thirst traps started coming back, that was like the first thing I was like, oh, all right, we're back. I remember seeing that on like the Red Scare subreddit. I don't use Reddit. I'm not a Redditor, but I remember like looking at the Red Scare subreddit like during that time just to see like, what are they saying about all of this? Like, I don't know. So I like, I remember looking at it and I remember seeing someone being like, look, I lost some weight. I look really hot right now and I really want to post a photo of me in my bathing suit. When can I post this? And I was like, honestly, girl, like I can empathize with that. (laughs) They got in trouble too because Dasha posted that picture of eating, eating caviar during the race wars is what she called it. 
Yeah, but I think it's fine so when they, they do it. Like they lean into it and it gets them more followers. No, they they are long ago canceled by the by the yeah. libs. So they're not they're not even trying to court that audience anymore. Although I guess the last thing we could bring up is that funny article about how podcasters are unfuckable because I feel like I feel like it in the New York Times because I feel like it followed this uh, other article from a couple months ago where this guy just basically wrote like, I used to really like Red Scare. <laughs> and now when I walk my dog, I just don't even ring my phone and I don't listen to Red Scare and I'm at peace. That was like the whole article. And it feels like this weird like series of articles the New York Times is doing that's like podcasts are bad. Well, because it's also, I, th- uh, I think that it's also adjacent to the thing that it's like, you know, Red Scare used to be associated with like the dirtbag left, you know, like years ago. And that they were this kind of irreverent, but they weren't really all that countercultural or that bad. And now that they've kind of drifted a little bit further to the right, people are like, oh, now they're radicalized, they're culture warriors, they're conspiracy theorists, whatever. And it's the same way that like people like Glenn Greenwald or like anyone who like questions the orthodoxy gets treated. Whereas like back in the day, Red Scare used to be lumped in with like Chapo, who's like still totally fine. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, right. so it's like now these the whole because Red Scare like dared to have opinions that like weren't in line with like the status quo or whatever. And now it's like, oh, you have to disavow them. <laughs> totally. But this, this newest article basically was like, no women want to date podcast bros. <laughs> which seemed like a funny New York Times psyop. And I don't even, I mean, I guess as a podcast bro, <laughs> I don't really care. I'm, I'm in a long-term relationship. Um, and I'm not trying to date women either <laughs> or me. I, I like am. that it was targeted at women, though, I thought was funny. And like, I guess maybe women are like the only people who read the New York Times. I'm not sure. But it almost reminds me of, do you remember all those like TikTok memes that were going around? I, I don't have TikTok, but I remember seeing them like on Twitter during like the vaccine where it was like women being like, I'm on Tinder, like or Hinge or whatever, like trying to convince guys to get the vaccine to go on dates with me. Like, do you remember that? Thankfully not. (laughs) Like it's like women won't date you. If you like podcasts, women won't date you. If you have a podcast, women won't date you if you don't have the vaccine. And it's like, is, is, I mean, sure. I'm sure there are tons of liberal brainwashed women who agree with that, but it's like, where's this coming from? It just, yeah. And I think it was also targeting two women to like say, make it like, yeah, no, like actually it's, it's like cringe if you like date a guy who has a podcast. Oh, absolutely. Because women are so like, I don't know, like, yeah, they will read something like that and they'll be like, oh shit. I I liked a guy who had a podcast. (laughs) Fuck. Like, that's not cool. I need to, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Women like love to just like go with the crowd. Not to mention, I just think it's fun. I thought the article was funny too, because I feel like some of the biggest podcasts right now are actually run by women. Like Call Her Daddy is like huge. Red Scare, Um, obviously. (laughs) Red Scare, obviously. There's lots of podcasts being run by women that people fucking love. So it's just, it's funny to me too, like this idea that podcasting is like a bro medium. Uh, But but whatever. Yeah, that feels like a psyop to me. It definitely does. Guys, I am losing steam. Can we can we wrap it up a little bit? Is that okay? We hit an hour and a half. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you okay. have any closing thoughts? And yeah. Prayers? Do you have any closing? Give give them your at Cassandra. Um. Yeah. My at is truth underscore enjoyer. <laughs> um. Yeah. I feel like I haven't been on Great Farm on this podcast either, but hopefully. No, you did great. I love. I don't it. know. Oh yeah, for I sure. Know. I thought I was and, yeah, I, I, I like didn't have time to like think like discoursey thoughts, so I just jumped in. <laughs> I thought you did great. Our our mid discourse is going to light the internet on fire. Your your, your first thoughts and prayers appearance uh, remains to this day our top listen. Really? Uh, oh, well, that's yeah. flattering to know. You have loyal followers, Cassandra, for that's sure. Good. The mountain. I don't know. Pill. I feel like ultimately I'm going to have to do my own podcast, but I don't think it will be like a like a regular thing. But I feel like you know, once in a while, I would like to just do like a once in a while podcast. You know. You gotta do that. All of us have to. You it's, should it's, do like a dating advice for incels <laughs> slash yeah, kind of like like the red scare, like where they like do the love line. You know, like like send me send me funny. some questions and I'll give you Cassandra advice, which might be terrible advice because <laughs> I'm a chaotic, unmarried e girl, but. <laughs> You should do it. I I want the I want our whole little corner of Twitter to be Pool House and I are keep trying to manifest it into a scene. I think we're doing it. So well, I I know that Pool House was saying that we all need to do like a space together, and I agree with that. Yeah, we should. I've never do that done a space. I don't even fun. know what a space is, but like I want to do it. <laughs> we should do it. That would be funny. We should absolutely do that. Um, I'll all just right. chuckle well, in the background. You'll be great. All right, let's sign off, guys. This is cute. Love you guys. Okay, bye. Thank you so much. Are you going to say bye? Actually, yeah. Thanks for coming on, Cassandra. Uh, Pleasure as always. And uh, (laughs) yeah, what what should I say? I don't know. Toodaloo. (laughs) Toodaloo. We'll have you back soon. Thank you for having me. Goodbye. (laughs) All right, bye.